BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi there. You're listening to the Lazy Genius Podcast. I'm Kendra Adachi, and I'm here to help you be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Today is episode 308, 10 Ways to Start Small in Friendship. It is part one of two because there are so many good words to say about friendship, particularly because my guest for both episodes is one of the best voices around friendship, author and podcaster, Laura Tremaine. Laura has been a friend of mine for about five years and her perspective is one I respect and love so much. Laura is the author of Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, and her newest book, which releases tomorrow, April 4th, is The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. This conversation, broken into two parts, is so practical, so full of permission, and will help you feel like friendship is not this enormous problem to solve. You're going to love this book, and I hope you love this episode too. So here is the first part of my conversation with Laura Tremaine. Pals, Laura Tremaine is here. Laura Tremaine is here. Hello, Laura. I am so excited. I am giddy over here. I really wish that people could see what a pro you are. Y'all, she's a legit neon sign that says share stuff behind her. I feel like after six years or more, how long have I been doing this? I don't know, a long time. I mm. finally feel like, y'all, I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are a podcaster. You are a wonderful one. And now you're like, oh, you feel it now. Do you know that's actually was not an intended segue, but maybe a good one because we are talking about friendship. And I wonder if sometimes we are like waiting for some sort of cue that like, oh, she's my friend or I'm a good friend or I have friends. Like we actually have like a, a significant amount of time where we, we are in friendship, but there's sometimes there's just that little something that we need to like convince us that it's true. <laughs> you know, I do say in the book, there is no friendship fairy, mm. meaning that no one is just going to magically put friends on your doorstep. But to your point, it does feel like there is a magical moment sometimes in a relationship that does feel like you have been like bopped on the head by the friendship fairy. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think one of mine for, uh, so, so, I said some of this in the intro, but your book is the life council, 10 friends, every woman needs. And one of the ones that I think is really relevant to a lot of us is the, um, daily duty, daily duty friend. Mm -hmm. And I have, uh, this one woman who lives in the neighborhood, our kids are in the same class, you know, and the moment that I really felt like that, that bop was when she texted me and said, Hey, can you get my kid from school today? Mm -hmm. And also kind of like a 
personal thing in there. Like I'm doing this and you know, that'd be so helpful, but it didn't feel like I was running an errand for her. It felt like she was texting a friend to help her out. Cause she was late. And I was like, Oh, I think we're friends. I think we're actually friends. And it, it you're right. Like sometimes there are little, there are little boops. I write about the daily duty friend. It's actually the first friend I write about in the book because that is the friend that I craved for so long. And I feel like people craved the daily, daily duty friend. Like you want someone that you talk to, maybe not daily, but like several times a week, someone that really knows a lot of your like mundane, regular life. And I did not have that friend until I was 40. I mean, I had that friend when I was young. I think we all have daily duty friends when we're young. I think that's where we get the idea of what friendship is, is because when we make friends in elementary school, when we're children, all of our friends are daily duty friends. They are. Because you're at school with them all day, eight hours a day. Like you share a community, you share a teacher, you know, all these things that your daily lives look so much alike. And then when you get to adulthood and that's not true anymore, without naming it daily duty, you're like, where did all my regular friends go? Right. Like just <laughs> the mundane friends, not the ones that I like see once a year, not the ones that I text on their birthday only, <laughs> but like our actual daily duty friends. And I just didn't have it until I was literally 40. Everyone said that I would get daily duty friends or that type of friend when I became a mom mm. and it did not happen for me. Mm. Which it's probably easy for us to think when it doesn't happen for us that we're doing something wrong or we haven't had, we don't have the words that that's what we're missing. You know, mm -hmm. that it's somebody that we want to be with us kind of in the trenches every day. And they, they know what our experience is. I was thinking about, um, college friends and not everybody has a college experience or a college friend experience, but how maybe one of the reasons why people's college friends, they cover a number of your 10 friends, like one person, <laughs> like is your daily duty friend, they're your fellow obsessive. They're like all of these different things. And so they feel so rich. They are really filling a lot of roles as one human or four humans or whatever. And then we leave that and we all move away and we're like, oh, we, it's not that the friendship is, is gone or over, but if you take away the daily duty part, if you take away these other elements, it's such a shift and you, your book gives such beautiful, helpful, practical language of like, oh, it's not that I don't have any friends. It's that I don't have anybody who is with me in the day to day. Mm -hmm. That's what I don't have. And so then you can actually have, um, it kind of compels you to go, oh, I can look for that. Or I can, um, yeah, I can seek after that. I can pursue that with someone who this could be a daily duty friend rather than just like, being sad and lonely about it and not doing anything, you know? Well, the whole book is addressed to the part of us that sometimes feels sad and lonely about mm -hmm. our friendships and sometimes feels like everyone else is doing something better or differently than we are in friendship. And that's why they're on girls trips. And that's why, you know, they have a bestie or, you know, that's why they post all these cute pictures and if you don't have that, you feel this lack. That's sort of what the whole book is addressing because I went through that lack 
Mm-hmm. Like I wrote the book that I needed because I went through some lonely years and I feel like I solved those lonely years in a number of ways. One is I started sharing myself on the internet. That's what my first book was about. I started a blog and then also, you know, other things like I started a book club and other things that I kind of crawled my way out of that loneliness. But if I had thought about it in a different way back then in my early thirties, when I was a new mom and felt really lonely in Los Angeles, if I had had a different framework, a different mindset around it, Mm. I think I would have felt less sorry for myself. I felt I would have felt less lonely. I would have maybe taken those steps that I ended up taking sooner. Mm. Some of those things. I also want to say really quickly, because I I think this is really important that the daily duty friend can especially be affected like by where you live regionally. Mm -hmm. I really Mm. think that that kind of thing matters. A lot of these friendship types that I write about can be affected by your community. Like in Los Angeles, my friendship etiquette and like our friendship rhythms are so different Mm. than my friendships, the way I grew up in Oklahoma, or um, we have a lake house close to you in South Carolina Mm. and our friendships there, the dailiness of them are so different because when you're in a smaller community and you might run into more people daily, yeah, (laughs) like that's part of looking around at who is in your life daily, whereas in Los Angeles, like I don't bump into people in the grocery store. Mm-hmm. There's 10 million people here. Even li- <laughs> like even living in the same neighborhood, we do not casually run into one another very often. Yeah, yeah. So that really matters when you're thinking about your friendships is to be like honest about what your community looks like and what you, what is even possible mm-hmm. in your community. You know, in mm-hmm. Los Angeles, you also wouldn't just like, knock on someone's door. Never in one majillion years would you go to a friend's house here without warning. Whereas my friends in South Carolina and our little lake house town where we have some great friendships, I mean, those friends will bop up no problem. They will knock on the door. They'll pull up on their boat. You know, it's just a They'll totally- pull up on their boat. That's so good. It's a totally different culture. Right, right. No, it's, uh, it's, th- that is why you know, friendship feels like this enormous thing. It is so enormous. It is so integral to who we are. You know, there are all these, there are all these studies and a lot of recent conversation around community and connection with other people is what makes us happy. It's what makes us live longer. Like you have like lower chances of getting like heart disease and stuff. I mean, it just because you have friends. So it's so important. And yet we put it all into one big old bucket mm-hmm. and you are like, Oh, friends, there are so many buckets, not just of like the kinds of friends you can have, but things like that, like where you live impacts this, your life stage compared, like your life stage at your age compared to the life stage of other friends of yours at your age. Like mm-hmm. that was, um, that was something that was a little strange for me and Emily Freeman, Emily P Freeman. Um, because our kids like we're Emily and I are about the same age. She's a couple years older than me, but our kids are much older than each other. Like she and her husband had kids in their ma- earlier in their marriage than cause. And I did. And so like when I had Annie, when I had like a 
like a kid in diapers and then two like tiny t- little elementaries, her girls were learning how to like, they were going to high school. Mm. And so it's just, it's, we couldn't really, we couldn't do that daily duty, even though we loved each other and we lived down the street from each other because our daily duties were different. Yeah. So even just kind of, you just give so, you know, I love, I love permission givers and you are giving so much permission for people to kind of see their situation um, very compassionately, but also very pragmatically. Like, let's be realistic about this guys. You know, like if you live in this place, like if you live on what is a lot of acres, what what would that number be? I'm not good at estimating things like that, <laughs> but let's just pretend, you know what I mean? Like if you live out on a lot of land and you don't have neighbors like super close by, that's going to be a different daily experience for you when it comes to friendship as someone who like is living in a college dorm or is living in a big city or is living in, you know, like a suburb where there's lots of front porches or whatever it is. So it's just, I just love that it's, it gives people language and tools on this deeply, deeply important thing. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Squarespace. I don't know if you've checked out my website lately, but she just got an upgrade and we did it with Squarespace. With Squarespace, it is so easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. My team recently updated our Squarespace site to use Fluid Engine, a next generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. It's seriously so cool. It's mobile layout display. It lets us see what people see on their own mobile devices as we make edits and updates. And 78% of you visit the site on your mobile device. So making sure what you see looks and performs the way it's meant to matters to me. If you want to build a new website, try out Squarespace. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash lazy genius to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I found Olive in June in 2020 when we were all looking for new hobbies and things to do. Well, now almost four years later, doing my nails at home with my daughter, Annie, and Olive in June's Manny system is still one of the things I look forward to every week. Olive in June makes it easy to get a salon-worthy manicure from the comfort of your home. The Manny system has everything you need in one box, salon-grade tools designed just for DIY, and your choice of six polish colors. And y'all, the colors they make are stunning. Annie and I just tried out their new colors for Valentine's day i'm wearing love note a sparkly nude that matches my skin tone and annie is wearing bouquet a shimmery pink that matches her personality plus olive and june's polish is chip resistant and lasts for seven days visit oliveandjune.com slash lazy genius for 20 percent off your first manny system that's o-l-i-v-e-a-n-d-j-u-n-e.com slash l-a-z-y-g-e-n-i-u-s for 20 percent off your first manny system This episode is sponsored by Chomps. With three kids running every which way, life at the Adachi house is very full. Someone is always on the go, whether it's to band practice or to a work meeting or down the street to grandma's house. And I love having Chomps in the pantry for a high protein snack that's perfect for life on the go. Chomps are made with natural ingredients, come in nine delicious bold flavors, and have up to 12 grams of protein per stick. You can even order them online and have them delivered straight to your door. 
Right now, Chomps is offering our listeners 20% off your first order and free shipping when you go to chomps.com slash genius. Go to chomps.com slash genius to see all the delicious flavors and get 20% off your first order and free shipping. That's C-H-O-M-P-S dot com slash genius. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. This episode is sponsored by Ritual. The days are getting longer, but it's still tough to get the recommended vitamin D from sunshine alone, not to mention the risks we take with sun exposure. That's why I love that my multivitamin is helping me out. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus, that's the one I take, was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. And for someone like me who likes to move but has glass knees, I'll take all the extra support from my multivitamin I can get. Ritual's multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, flute and major allergen free, and gentle on an empty stomach. Plus, each bottle has a minty essence that makes taking them actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 20% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash lazy genius. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash lazy genius for 20% off. You've been doing a lot of interviews. You've been talking about this book a lot as one does when one is putting <laughs> a book into the world. You just, somebody recently said, I think it was, I think it was Michael and Michael and Smith, the nester. She's like, Sarah Bessie has said something like this too. Being an author is you write a book and then you talk about it until you die. Like that's what it is. <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like. But is there, is there one of the 10 friends as you've been talking that has just that you see it in a different light as you've been talking it through, talking it out in these conversations, or even just something about friendship in general that you're seeing differently because you're talking about this topic a lot. Well, there's two chapters in the book that people are really resonating with. And one is such a surprise to me. And I do see it differently now that you ask it that way, because I almost didn't put it in the book. Mm. One of the friends on the Life Council, which by the way, I'm setting up 10 friends that have spoken in to my life that have mattered to me, like these two archetypes that have really been important to me, but I'm constantly encouraging the reader throughout the book that like, if one of these doesn't resonate with you, like fill in your own blank for who you are assembling on your Life Council, depending on what your life looks like, your belief system, all of that, you might have different seats, but I'm sort of modeling examples of what my 10 seats are. Mm. And one of them is the fellow obsessive. (laughs) Now for me, when I was like at the very beginning stages of this book, and I was like brainstorming all the different types of friends, all of my own friends and thinking about what they bring into my life. And, you know, I just had a, a ton of sticky notes while I was planning this book, the fellow obsessive, while it really mattered to me, I didn't think was going to make the cut for the top 10 friends Hmm. for this book for a few reasons. One, I did not think it was universally like relatable. (laughs) And two, I was a little bit worried that it would be sort of misunderstood because the word obsessive can maybe have like a negative connotation. You know, we don't want to be overly obsessed with things. And I was using it in a more like pop culture kind of way. Like I'm so obsessed, you know, sort of. Right. Way, but there were some hesitations to putting that friend on 
my life counsel. And I kid you not, like that's the friend that comes up <laughs> a ton of times. I write about my life counsel fellow obsessive as our mutual friend, yes. Jamie B. Golden. She is my fellow obsessive. She is so fun to do a deep dive with on whatever we're obsessed with. That's mm -hmm. what the fellow obsessive friend is, is someone that is obsessed with the same thing you are, yeah. whatever that is, whether it's a TV show, a, you know, your Peloton, your workout, your anything, a podcast, yeah. like anything that you're obsessed with that you can really just go deep with someone. That's what a fellow obsessive is. And I have been so surprised that that is the one that readers are gravitating towards. That's also a fun friend. That's not the sort of deeper one. Yeah. But then the other one I will say that has come up in a lot of these conversations, this isn't an official seat on the life council. This is actually the lack of a seat on the life council, hmm. but it's a chapter in the book that is tender for me and for readers. And that is the empty chair. Hmm. So that's the seat on your life council that isn't occupied uh, because maybe you went through a friendship breakup, maybe mm -hmm. you went through friendship loss, or maybe because you've never had that friend and you really want to fill that seat someday. So mm -hmm. that's sort of a sensitive chapter, but a lot of people are, I hope, feeling like they're glad someone put words to it. Yeah. Because, they feel seen. Yeah. 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 I love that you're surprised by something. I think that's a a lovely gift to receive as an author who's just in the thick of it, you know, to see this thing that you wrote a year ago, you know, <laughs> like you wrote these words in many ways a really long time ago and to be able to, to hear them through other people's words and experiences and kind of have it reflected back to you in in a slightly refracted way and kind of see things differently. It's just a really lovely thing when that gets to happen. So I'm glad that that's, I'm glad that that's happened. That's happened for you. I also like that I learned this. I think I learned this from Glennon Doyle. I don't know her personally. And we are name dropping a lot on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is but true. I learned from her a long time ago, like back in blogging days when I was blogging, that sometimes as writers, we are trying to make an experience universal or a story universal. Like we're trying to reach as many people as we can with whatever point we're trying to make or mm -hmm. thing we're trying to share. And I have found exactly what she says to be true. It's actually when you tell a really specific, really specific story that you yeah. think is unique to you and is so random and no one will even relate. That's when people come out of the woodwork to say that happened to them too, or they yeah. want that to happen to them, or they you know, it sparks a story in their own life. That's how I felt about the fellow obsessive, actually. Like, I was like, I think this is just only something I have. Mm. And then, you know, sharing very these very specific ways that I have fellow obsessives in my life has made people be like, I have that too. Mm. I never thought to make that be someone that sits on, a, you know, a metaphorical seat, like to give it that kind of reverence, just because it's my like, friend that I met on the internet that I've never met in real life or whatever, but it's a huge part of my life. I talk to that person every week when our favorite show is on. Mm. So kind of elevating some of those friendships it was a, a big point to the book, but I only did that through sharing specifics. Right. Which I think that should encourage us in two things. One as storytellers of any kind, you know, whether it's your profession or not, 
that, that there really is a lot of power in, in experiencing someone else's story, whether it's like in a movie, I always think about whenever I think about a niche story and how it just becomes so weirdly universal is the movie, the big sick that was written by Kumail Nanjiani and Emily Gordon. And it is, it is really a story of how they met and it is the most random specific, you would not think it would happen to anyone else. He is, uh, he is from Pakistan. She actually, I knew her when she was in grad school, like she and my husband were in counseling grad school together. And she and I worked in the writing center at our school together. Like for us, she, she was my very first episode of the lazy genius podcast. Emily Gordon was <laughs> it's the funniest thing. She was writing the big sick when I had a conversation with her for this podcast. So she's like, she was a friend then. And, um, I mean, and we're friendly now, but we, you know, we just don't, our, our paths don't really cross, but like, she's a lovely human, but anyway, their story, like she was from North Carolina. He was a comedian. He was a standup. Um, and from Pakistan and they started dating and then she went into a freaking coma and he had to like process like her parents and her growing up and this woman that he like hadn't known for very long, but he kind of was falling in love with. And it was so wildly specific and yet one of the most like tender, relatable stories. And so I say that to say, when you're engaging with a story, when you're even looking for a story to listen to, or definitely one to, to kind of tell to recognize that that detail, that specificity is something that is very connective. We think it's not, but it is. And then I also want to say to just people as being people that your story matters. And you might think that like, well, what I'm sharing, you know, that goes back to the neon sign behind you, you know, like that's why sharing your stuff is is so valuable. And you might think, well, no one's going to get this, or this is too, this is too weird. This is too specific. This is too sad. This is too niche. This is too whatever. And I just don't think that's ever a thing because that really is strangely what makes us more relatable and connected. Well, I wrote a whole book about that too. Yeah, you did. It was so good. You guys are going to love, if you didn't reshare your stuff, you really, really should. And if you, and obviously you can't read the life council. No, you can It's out tomorrow. It's very exciting, but it's just, it's so warmly written. It's just a, it's, you're just a very, you're very good at what you do. You're very good at your job. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Okay. Let's, let's get a little practical here. Cause this is a group that loves practicality. We are, we are lazy geniuses. The people listening are lazy geniuses. And one of our least favorite slash favorite of the original 13 lazy genius principles is the principle of starting small. It's annoying because it doesn't really get us anywhere very fast. There's no, it's not flashy, you know, it's just kind of like, but it also works in so many areas. One of them being friendship. And so you have, you have brought today. 10 ways to start small and friendship. And I cannot wait for you to share those with people. Okay. So caveat, some of these are smaller than others. <laughs> some of these are not exactly small ways to start in friendship, but they are a place to start. Mm. And, you know, I wrote the life council after share your stuff because share your stuff was meant to take your friendships to the next level. That's what the tagline on that book was. The inevitable question that came after 
that was, well, I don't have someone to share my stuff with. Yeah. I don't have someone to have these deep conversations with that I was hoping to inspire in that book. And that was coming up a lot, you know, when my conversations I host online and on my podcast and whatever this, this sort of friendship angst was coming up at the same time that I was also experiencing some friendship angst. I mean, it's not a totally smooth sailing road for anybody. Relationships are long. Life is long. The pandemic wreaked havoc on our relationships because of divided belief systems, because our days were in total upheaval, like all the different ways in which the last few years have made a lot of things itchy and uncomfortable, including our friendships. And so these are ways to start small in friendship, but I I also want to say that these are things I have to practice myself, like that I have practiced or that I am still in the process of practicing. Like I'm not a therapist, I'm not an expert, but these have really worked for me. And so I have 10 of them. Hit it. Okay. The first one we sort of covered a little bit at the beginning of our conversation. Number one is look at your own landscape. So one of the things about this book also is that I don't want people to immediately see the tagline, 10 friends, every woman needs, and immediately feel the lack in their life. Like immediately Mm. think, I don't have 10 friends. I don't have 10 friends. Yeah. (laughs) I'm never going to have 10 friends. I don't even want to have 10 friends. You know, all the different ways that our brain goes, oh yeah, this is not a topic for me. Sure, sure, sure. I don't want people to to think that about the book. First of all, the 10 friends are over the course of your life. And some of them are very, very seasonal. Like you're not always going to have a fellow obsessive. You're not always going to have a mentor. Like some Mm. of the friends are, are specifically seasonal, but also the book is not an assignment to go out and make 10 new friends. Yeah. The number one thing that people can do to change up their whole attitude around their friendships and to just really like change their whole mindset on this topic is to look at your own landscape. There are so many things that already exist in our life. So many beautiful people that we dismiss because we make a lot of assumptions. We think, oh, she would never like me. We think, oh, she and I are not, you know, the same. We mm-hmm. we make all these different assumptions about people that already exist. And so if you are looking to deepen friendships or to, you know, have someone to grab coffee with or whatever you're looking for in your life and friendship, start where you are. Look Mm. at your own landscape. I like am challenging people to do that. Like take truly a whole week and look around at like what other mom is always at carpool the same time you are? Like who is always in your same yoga class? Who comments on the same thread in the Facebook group that you do and always has something smart and funny to say? Look at people who already exist in your life. Mm -hmm. The whole thing about friendship is not to go out and start new, like you're dating, you know, it's, that's just not it. We're going to look at what our lives already look like. That's number one. Start where you are is like one of my favorite phrases of the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Just like start where you are, man. It's like we we make it so, and especially for this community, this is a this is a big machine group of people. This is an all or nothing group of people in general. And we are trying to slowly work our way out of that, compassionately work our way out of that. And this is a wonderful example of that, that you're not starting from nothing start where you are. Look at your landscape and start where you are. So good. Number two, 
This is something that I feel like a lot of us learned when we were younger, especially in like girl friendships. <laughs> like y'all, Lauren's shimmying. There's emotion to girl friendships. <laughs> Now I am older than you, but when I was in college and like a little bit after college, there was like this whole thing about the woo girl, like, yes, I am the woo girl. (laughs) I always have been. It's who I am. So this number two way to start small is something that a lot of us learned when we were like younger women. Mm -hmm. And then the internet turned it on its head and made it a bad thing. So the principle is, should I say principle? Cause that's your word. You can say principle. Not my word. It is not my word. A lot of people love principles and use them all the time. You have a principle. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it is compliments are key. Yeah. Like starting with a compliment, like, hey, I love your bag. I love your shoes. Oh, you're reading that book. I loved that book. Oh my gosh, your hair looks amazing today. These are little compliments that can spark a conversation. It makes us feel good to say them. It makes other people feel good to receive them. But somehow on the internet, this got turned around that giving compliments like that, especially in an online way, like, oh my God, you're so cute, Mm -hmm. became like inauthentic. Yeah. And it became like a whole thing of like, oh, that is so phony. That is so fake. You don't really mean that. And I just feel like that's not true. I feel like this is a way that people connect. It's not inauthentic to be like, I think you like look great today. To start with that is not inauthentic. It's just opening a door. Right. Because then the person can respond with, oh, thanks. I got it on sale. Or, oh my gosh, I'm loving this book. Or have you read the podcast that goes along with the book? Or, you know, I mean, it starts a conversation. It's not inauthentic. And we don't need to hold ourselves back from like saying those things. It's, it's not fakey fake. I know that it can be, I understand why we like examined this, this habit that women do. (laughs) I understand why it like warranted a conversation, let's say, but the women that I know in my life, the women that are listening to this podcast, I know that they're not doing this inauthentically. I know that they are offering up a quick compliment because it sprang, you know, it came to their mind because it is a way to just connect with someone. It's another way to say hi. It's another I, way to say hi. Yeah. Yeah. And to say, so I good. see you. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, if, um, you know, I think about, um, I think about the scene in Mean Girls about the bracelet where Regina George is just like, oh, I'm going to love everybody. So where'd you get it? And then she like makes fun of somebody else's something later with the same question. And And so I think that there's part of that. There's a fear maybe that if someone compliments us that they're pretending, or if we compliment someone else that they're going to think that we're pretending, you know, there's a lot of assumptions that are at work there. And, but I, I think a couple of things come to mind as you say that to expound is one compliment them on something that you believe like, don't say, I like your shoes and you don't like their shoes, find something else. Like compliment them for real. You know, it's not that the compliment is fake, but if you're just like saying something to say something, 
in a, like, it is going to feel authentic to you because maybe that's not actually what you, what you think you're just, you know, just grabbing at straws. I also grab, not people don't grab straws. They grasp them, but it's fine. So the other thing it makes me think, I, I wrote a, um, a blog post about this when I used to write blog posts a long time ago. Um, but I was on a bus. Uh, I was a, like a, an adult volunteer on a youth group trip. And I was on this big bus and I was in the back of, I was going to the bus bathroom and I was walking back to the front of the bus and I passed these two girls. We're going home, mind you, the trip is over and I'm not going to see these kids again. Like this was, I was jumping in because they ran out of people, you know, and I walked past these girls and I heard someone say, well, Aragorn is way hotter than Legolas. And I turned around so daggum fast. I was like, hello, I'm sorry. What are you talking about? Because I love Lord of the Rings so much. And I also agree wholeheartedly that Aragorn is hotter than Legolas. And so, and I, I made like an actual fool of myself. Like I squatted down in front of these like 18 year olds. And I was like, hi, hello, I'm Kendra. Can I join your conversation? (laughs) Because it was that fellow obsessive energy, but also it just reminds me like the compliment, even my enthusiasm of something they were talking about is a form of a compliment. It's saying, I see you, I hear you. Hello. I would love to join this conversation. And that's a risky thing. I'm not saying that you need to just like accost people in a park or something. And also you could like, you could go up to a stranger who's reading something or talking about something. I do that in bookstores all the time. I did it three days ago. I was in a bookstore and these two women were talking about a book I read that I had read. And I walked by them and they're like, it's so good. Oh, is it really good? And I was like, it's my favorite book I've read this year. And I just kept walking. But sometimes you don't have to keep walking. You can just stand there and engage with people. And it doesn't necessarily, you say this in the book all the time. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go on vacation with that person soon. It's just a way to begin. And if it mm-hmm. doesn't even go very far from there, you are practicing beginning. Except I'm sitting here still snagging on the fact that you were going to the bus bathroom. It's a problem. I was desperate. I was desperate. It was a long drive. I didn't pee before I left. It was a whole thing. I couldn't make it. Like I'm, I'm pitiful when I can't pee. So I just had to tough it up. It's fine. <laughs> oh, there's so many good pull quotes from this episode already. <laughs> you know, the um, account, do you follow podcast out of context? No. Oh my gosh. It is so fantastic. It is. It's an Instagram account called podcast out of context and they take just random things and Knox and Jamie and sometimes Aaron say and just make memes out of them and it's because <laughs> they are so weird. I'm following that immediately when we get off here. Yeah, it's really, really good. It is really good. And we'll put a link in the show notes along with the important thing, which is uh, a link to Laura's book, which is available tomorrow, April 4th, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. But if you were listening to this episode on Monday the 3rd and you want to get the book, please, please be sure that you pre-order, which ordering it the day before is technically pre-ordering. And then I want you to take your order number to lauratremaine.com, click on the banner or anything having to do with The Life Council, and you will be able to enter your order number. I want you to do this so you can get the secret tapes which are interviews with members of Laura's actual life council, who she writes about in the book. I'm in one of the episodes because I'm one of Laura's business besties, along with Jamie Golden and Bree McCoy. And there are other amazing conversations, like truly eye-opening, transformative conversations about friendship, where Laura and her actual friends 
they talk about things that we have all been so eager to hear. It is a fantastic bonus just for getting the book, which I'm pretty sure you're going to do today after listening to even just one part of Laura's conversation. So again, go to lauratremaine.com. The link is in the show notes to claim those pre-order bonuses before they go away. They're so, so good. And so is Laura. And so are you. Thank you so much for being here to listen to this episode. And I can't wait for you to experience a little sparkle in the next small step you take in friendship as you wait for the rest of the list next week, which for real is so, so good. So thank you for listening. And until next time, be a genius about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. I'm Kendra. I'll see you next week. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.